Hi there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of Live Healthy, and this is the Live Healthy Podcast. Each week we interview health and wellness leaders and talk about all the things that are good for you, which you can also read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women in the UAE. And now, here's this week's guest. Welcome to the Live Healthy podcast. Uh, today we're talking to Emma Barber, who is the director of Degrade. Now, Degrade is a company that was founded in 2010 by Chris Barber. He's from the UK and he has a background in textile manufacturing, surfing, and sustainability. And he founded the company to design and produce eco-friendly clothing and accessories made from recycled plastic bottles. They've even developed a special yarn called Greenspun that is used to create clothes out of PET. And they have the Middle East first bottle to yarn factory. Degrade has made sure it's for everyone from Carluccio staff to the team at Expedia. And the process uses 20% less water, uh, produces 55% fewer carbon emissions and uses 50% less energy than manufacturing regular polyester yarn. And they also work with companies now to help them recycle their plastics. So uh, welcome, Emma. Hi, thank you for having me. You're welcome. I've seen your shirts just, re- I've heard about you for years, but I just saw your shirts because a good friend of mine is uh, Jason Moore from Langheron and he hooked us up for this interview. So I ah. saw his and he started talking about it and I said, oh, degrade. I've always wanted to talk to them. So it's so cool to catch up with you. Thank you. Well, we really appreciate having the time, you taking the time to listen to what we've got to say. Have you been with the company the whole time? No. Um, Chris started the company, as you rightly said, in 2010, um, and I joined him in 2017. I'd been working in retail here in the UAE, and um, Chris's business was doing pretty well, but it was a small business. Um, he was quite a one-man band. He had, he had support from other people. Um, but he wanted to take it to a next level. We wanted to get some, uh, some um, investment and um, he needed somebody uh, to help him with the more sort of corporate, make the business a little bit, feel a bit more corporate and a bit more um, strategic. And I suppose my, my skills and experience of working in, in that exact sort of corporate strategic background for so long helped. And we, 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 we undenied. I mean, it was quite a big decision to leave a, an industry that I loved, a career that I was very much enjoying and was being well remunerated for. And to work with your husband and live with your husband, you know, it took us, it took us quite a lot of um, time to make that decision. But I have to say that I, I've never looked back. It's been an amazing, incredible, exciting adventure to, to do it with him. And um, I've really enjoyed it. And so you were like, you were doing your own thing. He was doing his thing. And then it sort of started to become apparent that if you joined your business forces, you would. um, So how has it sort of grown since then, since 2017, when you, you came on board? Well, as I said, at the time, we were really quite a small business. Um, what we did was the first the first um, thing that we decided to do was look for um, a strategic investment partner, which we were really lucky to, to get. Um, we've actually joined forces with a family. Um, they're, they're private investors um, who have many, many, many years of experience in the plastics world. Um, in fact, um, the, comp- the, the family that have invested in us, Jerome, our director, is part of that family, and he came in and joined 
joined the board of directors. So we were very, very lucky to, to, to get that. And what that's meant was with that private investment is that we've been very, it's been very flexible. We've been able to really um, find our way together uh, without the um, investors being very um, controlling or very sort of directive. You know, we've been able to still be true to um, the core pillars of what we set degrade up to be, which is really, um, you know, we're not about pushing plastic or making more plastic. We're simply interested in in just trying to resolve an issue that is is very, very um, apparent, the plastic pollution that is around. Um, and, um, you know, to, to, to have a, uh, an inclusive and um, dynamic team that everybody feels that they're part of something that's doing something uh, that's making an impact, that's making a difference. And we, we are still a small team. Um, you know, we're still only less than 15 people. Um, and in our head office, our, our plant, it, it does have more people than that. But, um, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, coming on board uh, was a, I was we were able to, to take that first step and we've we've just grown expo- exponentially since then and we're actually now in the second round of investment which is also very exciting. Oh that is exciting. Um, yeah. What are the biggest hurdles in this sector would you say that people don't know about? Like you know right yeah here you know you hear regular people all the time saying well why can't you just do this why can't you just do that and then when you dig into the business you just there's these obvious obvious yeah. challenges. So what yeah. would you say with degrade were some of those? that you've overcome? I mean, mean, money, finance is very difficult. You you know, you talk about us being the first bottle to plant plant in the UAE, and actually we're not quite there yet because it's such a huge investment. So actually we are are at the moment bottle to flake um, and, and, and just getting the cash has been difficult because I think, you know, in 2010 when we started, most companies didn't have a sustainability policy. You know, CSR wasn't really a a thing that companies were thinking about. Um, And, you know, to try and get buy-in from companies and get government support was difficult. Um, But now what we're finding, you know, 10 years on or 11 years on, is that actually everyone's got a sustainability policy. And if they haven't, they desperately need to get one because consumers are, are forcing that issue. But also the government are much more supportive. You know, we we're working closely with um, the, the, the Abu Dhabi Environment Agency, the Ministry of Climate Change and, and um, Environment, uh, the DED, the Dubai Chamber have been incredibly supportive. So, I mean, the hurdles, we, we, we're getting over them, but there's, there, there are, of course, still hurdles in the way. Um, you know, people, one of the hurdles is people think that we are um, advocating the use of more plastic or that we're pushing products that are um you know, dangerous or toxic, and, and that, that's not the case. And um, it's, it, so the whole education piece is, is a part of the hurdle that we have to get across. Um, and, um, and, and, and we can come on to how we do that, but our Simply Buffets program was set up specifically for that reason. Okay, and so, yeah, I mean, you can just see, I've been here since 2008, and you can see since 2010 how all the government ministries have woken up to this and started campaigns. So you sort of, I guess one of those challenges was just being early, just being before yeah. sort of was happening, right? Yeah, um, I think Chris was quite visionary by seeing seeing the problem and trying to address it 10 years ago, yeah. Yeah, but he must have done a lot of like banging on doors and sort of yelling into the... <laughs> he did, into the void, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did you ever think, like, what, what did you think as his wife? Like, were, I'm always curious when, uh, you know, you have these stories where the husband goes and does this business and you, I'm sure you believed in him, but what, like, what did you think at that, back at that time? I did believe in him. He's always been very entrepreneurial, to be honest. I mean, ever since I've known him, he's he's wanted to be, um, you know, do something different, wanting to be something that make, makes a difference. 
Um, and you know, the, but honestly, there, ha- there of course there have been times where we've 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 looked into each other's eyes and said, "Shall we just give it up? It's just yeah. too difficult." It, you know, le- you know, it, it, there must be easier way to make a living. There must be an easier way to you know to, to, to live our lives. Uh, but he's been so incredibly stoic and so incredibly sort of single-minded that I, you know I've I've enjoyed supporting him. And I, as I just mentioned earlier, I've I've now enjoyed you know kind of being getting involved. It it is exciting. Um, it is hard, but it is exciting. But yeah, I mean, it, it's not been easy. Can you just break down the process so people can understand, like step by step, what happens when you have a plastic bottle that you finish drinking your water or whatever, and then what you do to it? Yeah, well, put it in the right bin and then <laughs> and we'll get it. And I can talk about how we get our plastic, but that actually, funnily enough, is the hardest thing is getting our hands on the plastic. But once we have it, we can take the bottle with the, with the label and the cap um, and it, it gets taken down to our plant in Kizad. In Kizad, we have a plant, um, we say that the, the, the brains are from Europe and the brawn is from China. We have, two, we have different kinds of machinery and it's, it's quite intelligent machinery. So it can scan, it scans the bottles. So um, it knows what's a PT bottle or what's an HDP milk carton or something like that. And it can, it can um, sort the plastic. And then it gets hot and cold washed and it gets popped into small flakes. Um, through, through quite a long process, um, but what, what goes in is a full bottle and what comes out are very small um, PET flakes, which are high quality and which can go back into food packaging. At the moment, the regulations in the UAE do not allow for that, uh, although we're working closely with the government and that will change. Um, but we have, we, we, our end result is a, is a flake. Now, what we do with that flake at the moment is we have to ship it overseas. And there's a couple of reasons for that. We, we do ultimately want to go into um, fiber. The next step is taking the, uh, the, the, the flake into a fiber by, by heating it, extruding it, um, and it, 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 the process turns it into a fiber. The fiber is then um, spun into our green spun yarn. And once we have the yarn, that is the um, bones of making any fabric. And we can make hundreds of different fabrics. Um, the reason we can't go to fibre yet is just purely investment. Um, we're speaking to the Minister of the Interior and all the different departments of the government who are very supportive about getting manufacturing going in the UAE. And we really expect as the next phase of our plan to go from flake to fibre and then from fibre to yarn here in the UAE. Um, there's also one other issue is that the UAE it does not allow for commercial dyeing in the UAE at the moment, because the water treatment plants can't support the dyeing process. So we would always have to take the, the yarn overseas to have it made into fabric and dyed. Um, but we try and keep our carbon footprint as low as we can. So we send out full containers of PET um, to, a, to the closest possible places, India and Pakistan. And then we bring the containers back with the fabric. And then we make a lot of the fabric up here. We work with factories in Ajman who are very high quality. And they um, make up our garments for us so we can keep a made in the UAE label in, in the garments. Okay, amazing. Now, you just said that it was hard for you to get the plastic, which is what I find hard to believe. Can you just explain that? It is hard because there's so much plastic here. We know because we work with so many of the companies that in excess of 10 million water bottles are being made every day. Now, of course, with the three with the three or the five R's, the first thing is refuse, uh, reduce, and we're very much proponents of that. You know, we 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 need to reduce what we what we're what we're consuming. But even if we could get people to reduce what they're doing by 50%, which would be 
almost impossible, we would still be talking about 5 million plastic water bottles a day. So we've got to do something about that. So at the moment, I think there's a lot of cynicism. People don't believe that plastic is being recycled here because it isn't. Uh, we're the only people that actually recycling it. And I think also people are quite inherently lazy. Um, they don't believe that plastic has any value. Um, the, an interesting little analogy that we use is that you don't see banknotes littering the oceans. You don't see banknotes littering the deserts. And that's because even though they're made of plastic actually, uh, or have a plastic content, they have a value and people don't throw banknotes away. Whereas they don't think plastic has a value. So they just throw it away. They don't think twice about it. They put it in the wrong bin and they don't really care. So getting people to segregate, getting people to collect their plastic um, has been a real challenge. And we set up our Simply Bottles program, which we run with the schools completely for free. We have 200 schools on board um, and we get the children to um, uh, collect plastic from home and to collect it at school. And we've collected millions of bottles. The students have been incredible. Um, we also work with corporations and we've worked with many different companies. You mentioned a couple, but, you know, lots of different types of industries, whether it be hotels, the water companies, um, small, small companies. Um, uh, we, we, we get them to do head office campaigns. We get them to get their employees involved. And then what we were doing much more before the pandemic, but we're seeing it come back, is working at events where they do things like City Marathon, where you see all the hundreds of bottles just chucked on the side of the road or, or the cycling events or the, you know, we, we did a really, we did a, an event with the Formula One team in Abu Dhabi uh, just before the pandemic. We did the, um, the Formula One in 2019. And over the three days, we set up recycling um, platforms and stations. And we got, we collected, I think 76,000 bottles over three days. And then last December, we delivered all of the uniforms made out of the bottles back to the Formula One team in Abu Dhabi, the Yas Marina circuit team. So that was, a, that was a really good example of how we work with an event um, to, try and, to try and get our hands on the plastic. And we think we collect around about 20% of what we need um, through our Simply Bottles. And then the rest of what we need, we buy. Um, through the open market. And we work with all the waste management companies. So, you know, the Dolscos, the Averdas, the Imdads, the, you know, all the different companies. Um, we, uh, they, they're getting much, much better now at, at sorting the plastic because we, they have somebody who will buy it from them. So it's in, in their interest not to take it to landfill. So we, we're buying a lot of plastic on the market. It's a commodity. And we just have to try and instill into, the, into people, don't feel bad about using plastic as long as you recycle it. Just make sure it goes in the right bin. So um, what's the best way if someone wanted to get their bottles to you? What's the best way for them to do that? We can't, unfortunately, at the moment collect from individuals because it's so incredibly expensive to go and pick up um, plastic because it doesn't weigh anything. You know, you're picking up air. So, you know, to send a truck is not environmentally friendly and it's, it's costly. So the best thing to do is if you are... Um, if you have anybody in your household who's at a school or a university, get the school or the university to sign up for Simply Bottles and, and then we can get through the school. If that's not the case, and but you work in a company, um, get your company to join up, we can do things. And if you don't feel that our, either of those things will work, we also have a drop-off point um, in Rassel Core, uh, which is open 24 hours. The public can go in um, and you can leave your plastic in our Simply Bottles skip. Um, you can see it's all, all very easy to find. We have um, on our website, we have the address and you can just go and, and, and leave your plastic there and we'll get that and we, we will recycle it. And I suppose the more, you know, you wouldn't really want competition, but also the more companies, you can't buy all the plastic. Um, so the more companies that get into this business, the more demand there would be for plastic. 
Absolutely. You know, we, we all we want is for the plastic to be recovered. We just don't want it to go into landfill. We just want it to be kept, you know, and also we don't if we if we keep plastic in the circular economy, they'd have to make more plastic. So, you know, then that's also a good thing. You know, let's try and limit the amount of plastic that's being made. So, of course, we want companies to do this. Um, we do need a lot of plastic, though. Um, our factory needs 1500 tons of plastic a month. And if I give you some context to that, one ton of plastic is 50,000 bottles, roughly. Okay. So one ton of plastic, what, um, a polar bear weighs about a ton. Okay. We need 1,500 polar bears or tons of plastic every month. It's a lot of plastic, it's a lot of plastic. So uh, we, we, we need a lot. Um, and, uh, but it's here, it's here in the UAE for sure. Um, and, and it's just a matter of just raising the awareness to to, to get a hand on it. And, and actually we are working with the Abu Dhabi Environment Agency who are looking to put in a federal scheme um, to, to um, have a very strategic collection through reverse vending machines. So the consumers are rewarded when they bring their plastic and they put it in the machine, they'll get points and vouchers and, um, and um, maybe even um, cash, cash back. Uh, if, uh, if we go, that would, that would, that's okay. working. yeah. I know what you're talking about. People don't think things are recycled. We have those conversations all the time. You take your stuff. Someone just said the other day, because I said, I take my stuff down to the Corniche in Abu Dhabi. And they said, you know, it's, it's not recycled. And I said, I, I don't know that. I don't know that. But it's better than shoving it down the garbage chute, in my mind. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. It, it, it 100% is. And, and the other thing I hear a lot is, well, you know, I, I make the effort to put it into the green bin or I put it into the right bin in the recycling centre. But then the truck comes along and they put all the rubbish in the same truck. And it's frustrating. But actually what they're doing is they're just putting all the recyclable material in the same truck. So they're picking up the cardboard, the glass, the aluminium and the plastic and putting in the same truck. And it's very easy for them to sort that. What's difficult is when the food waste goes in with the, with the recyclables, because then you get that contamination and that is extremely difficult. So uh, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a, an individual, just keep your dry recyclables separate and your wet waste separate and put them in different bins and then, it, and then and we will definitely get our hands on the plastic and we will definitely recycle it. Oh, that's a really good tip. I don't care people know that about the food. It's just clean it, clean it, wash it, clean it. Please, okay. yeah. Our, our two biggest challenges are chewing gum that people spit into the bottle and date pips that they spit into the bottle um they really mess with our machinery no way so this is yeah. your biggest problem and how do you know they just it just happens well you know people have chewing gum and they drinking the water and then when they finish the water they spit their chewing gum into the bottle and they chuck the bottle in the bin and then the plastic bottle comes to us and the the, the plastic um the, the chewing gum gums up the machinery and the knives and everything so it's a problem and the yeah. date pips are hard and they're really hard they, they, they make they're also a problem I love hearing. I love hearing about the human behavior from people who have a window on it. I wouldn't have known, but yeah, of course, they probably think it's better to spit your gum into the bottle than to put it. Yeah. You know, gums yeah. go gums in the garbage. So to date this. Um, okay, now I did do um, a podcast with uh, Natalie Banks, who's from Azraq. She's uh, they're the uh, ocean. Uh, they're they're devoted to oceans and sustainability, and she said. She has a bone to pick about the, this clothing because she said yeah. when it's in the washing machine, then microplastics are released and go into the water system and go into the ocean. So I have to just ask you sort of, of what- Of course, of course. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and look, I, I think what Natalie's doing is amazing. I mean, some of the initiatives that they, they've done, I think, you know, stopping the balloon release in Ras al was was really significant. And there's so many 
wonderful things. And, I, you know, I really, I do think that we've all got the same goal. We want a cleaner, more healthy environment. So, I mean, actually, you know, we get a lot of critics saying about um, our clothing and um, about microfibers. So what we would say to that is, first of all, our, 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 our products are absolutely no different from conventional polyester. It's exactly the same. Um, uh, reused clothing, um, all, all clothing sheds fibers. So what, what, whatever, you, whatever you've got, sheds fibers. Our, our fabric is, is high quality. What we're not in the business of is making a promotional quality garment. So a cheap, wear it once, throw it away garment. Our, we use a long staple fiber. The better the quality it's been proven, the less the shedding. But, but I do want to say a couple of things. So first of all, uh, and, and Natalie, I think, is the is the distributor for Cora Ball. And I'm not sure. I think um, Tatiana Goombook has has a guppy bag. I think, but there are products that you can buy that you can put into your washing machine to trap the lint. And also, modern washing machines are much better with their traps, and they, there's much more technology to trap the lint. And if people are worried about that, they can use these products, and they can take the lint out, and they can put it into their recycling, the same as the plastic. Um, but also want to say that, first of all, that most water treatment plants, sewage plants, actually trap up to 90, 99% of fibres before they then go are released into the ocean. So there's a lot of capture along the way. And, and when the scientists have done a lot of study on what the microfibres are actually in the ocean, what they're finding is that the highest percentage is actually nylon, not PET. Now, nylon is still plastic. I get that. But what it's not coming from clothing, it's coming from fishing. So it's coming from fishing nets, fishing ropes. And there's absolutely no, um, um, uh, the, the fishing industry has, has no penalty for going out with a boatload of nets and coming back with only half of them. Um, and actually, we're really trying to push that the, the fisheries are, are um, penalised for, for, for throwing nets overboard, because actually it's causing a huge amount of, of problem of plastic in the ocean. And, and another really high percentage of uh, microfibers in the ocean is from rubber. And actually that's from things like tires and the automotive industry. It's a massive problem um, to have the rubber microfibers in the ocean. It's, 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 it, the, the percentage of PET is very, very low. Um, okay. So uh, we're also saying that actually um, there is no medical proof that, um, uh, that the microfibers actually cause any damage to humans, even though even when they're being eaten by the fish and we're eating the fish. Um, the most, almost all of the scientific studies that they did on microfibers have now been debunked because actually what they were doing is they were trying to prove the cause by um, actually some of the fish were injected with toxins on purpose or um, the, in, the, the concentration of the, the microfibers in the water they were testing were bumped up to thousands of times more than the actual levels of microfibers in reality in the ocean. And actually, PET is not toxic. There's no health authority in the world that's banned PET because it's so safe. It has no BPAs. It has absolutely no harm to humans. Um, so you can wear a recycled shirt or, or use your recycled mask, mask with, with no concern. It's exactly the same as conventional polyester. All we're doing is repurposing the bottle that's already been used the resources, come out of the ground, and we're repurposing that to give it a longer life, to make a product that people need to buy. Um, there's an enormous demand for, for polyester. I think there was 50 million tons of polyester was made. And as populations grow um, and land becomes more scarce, cotton is a very land um, intensive resource. It's a very water intensive resource. And, and polyester, especially recycled polyester, is actually very easy and green to make. And we really, we really want people to just not be worried about any health and safety. Just one <laughs> question, like where, um, where would you guys like to take this? 
if you had your wildest dreams come true? Well, I mean, we would love to get to um, our, our, our bottle to yarn. That would be just e exciting. Uh, I think it would be a world first. And it would also um, give us real um, price compatibility because at the moment we have quite a fragmented supply chain. So our prices are a little bit higher. I don't think we're, we're hugely um, out of kilter with, with conventional polyester, but we are a little bit higher. Um, although we, you know, we have obviously the, the feel good story about the fact that you're recycling and making clothing out of product out of plastic. So that's, that's sort of almost a marketing spend. But I think, yeah, I think for us to, to get the plant up and running uh, all the way to, to yarn would be amazing. Um, I think um, we would love at some stage to be scalable and take this to other countries because, you know, the plastic pollution issue isn't just, you know, big in the UAE, it's big everywhere. Um, you know, we get so many people um, interested from, from different countries in, in Africa, from India, from Asia, Indonesia, you know, these countries where they really have a big issue and they, they need a, a way to, um, to, to to find out a solution to, to, to the plastic pollution. And we, we definitely do provide that. So we'd love to scale it, but I mean, that, that's the future. At the moment, we're just, uh, we, we, we're, as I say, trying to get our second uh, round of investment um, um, done and dusted. And we're really excited about that. I can't talk about that much right now, but we, in the next month or so, that will all be done. And, and that will give us uh, the next, the platform to really kind of step into the future. And we, we're feeling really good about the next five years. So, so, so a lot of the other companies that do what we do are B2C companies. So for example, Nike or Adidas or, or Under Armour or, or those sorts of, I mean, even, even H&M and Zara, high street brands, they are making clothing out of recycled plastic. So what we do is not particularly um, groundbreaking, although I think that um, we have a very high quality um, product, which is why I think we've tra trademarked our green spun yarn. Um, but I think uh, what we do that is unique is we offer the businesses, we're B2B, we offer the businesses an opportunity to change their procurement decisions to a sustainable option. So, you know, whilst Nike can understand how to make a fabulous T-shirt and sell it to a consumer, um, Emirates Airline don't know how to make the uniforms, they outsource it. So, um, you know, we can say to them, look, don't outsource to conventional manufacturing, choose a sustainable option and, and make it from recycled polyester because almost everybody's uniforms are made from polyester school uniforms, work uniforms, drivers' outfits, you know, whatever it may be. Okay. That's great. Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you. Have a great day. Yeah, thanks so much. See you. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the Live Healthy Podcast.